You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are here to preview the Giants' Week 7 matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, there are a lot of parallels between these two franchises that I kind of want to go over. First, though, with Jacksonville, they turn over the Urban Meyer era, the very short-lived Urban Meyer era, and bring in the adult Doug Peterson, who is trying to right the ship of a Jacksonville franchise that has not been great over the last decade or so other than the time when they had Jalen Ramsey and they went to the deep into the playoffs and lost against the New England Patriots. But Doug Peterson and the New York Giants, Chris, they have quite the history dating back to the 2020 season. Nate Sudfeld, a lot of that name will ring a bell to a lot of Giants fans, but there's also other parallels between these two teams. Obviously, Evan Ingram is now the starting tight end playing a full complement to snaps for the Jacksonville Jags, but Offensive coordinator Mike Kafka and Doug Peterson, quite the parallel between those two, right, Chris? You want to expound upon that? Yeah, the two of them really have kind of, uh, you say parallel, uh, very similar paths in the NFL. Doug Peterson, you know, way back in, back in the day, he was a quarterback in the NFL, and he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. And in 1999, he was coached by Andy Reid. After his playing career ended, he wound up being an offensive assistant and ultimately quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles under Andy Reid. When Andy Reid left, Philadelphia was fired after the 2012 season. Peterson followed Reid to Kansas City, where he was the quarterbacks coach, the offensive coordinator, and then he got his job as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike Kafka was a player under Andy Reid, coached by Doug Peterson. And when his playing career ended, he went to Kansas City, coached under Andy Reid, was the quarterbacks and I believe passing game coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and now comes to the NFC East as the Giants offensive coordinator. And you know, the, just the parallels between these two guys are are really curious to me because they have a very, very similar offensive philosophy as well as an offensive history. And they're both had early success too, as I would say play callers since Doug Peterson was the head coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. And another extension between these two teams that I find a little bit fascinating is the fact that these two teams, one of them is five and one, the other one is two and four, but Jacksonville could easily have had a much better record, whereas the Giants, they could have a worse record. It's just the Giants are finding ways to win football games, whereas Jacksonville is finding ways to lose football games. Like Two and four is not a great record, and this is a winnable game for the New York Giants, but if you look at all the losses 
from Jacksonville. They're all close. They're all one score losses, like an eight point loss, six point loss, seven point loss. And they're finding really wild and unique ways to lose football games. And they make really dumb mistakes in, in some high leverage types of situations. And I think if you look at the Giants, Giants fourth quarter team, right? Just like Jacksonville, they'll play four quarters, but then they'll implode. The Giants do not implode, and they find ways to win. The Giants need to maintain that against these Jacksonville Jags. And as for the Jags, man, just continuously making mistakes and, and shooting themselves in the foot down the stretch. But they're a team like the Giants that doesn't really go away. It's not like they're getting blown out by their opponents. So this could be one of those close games. The Giants have to stay refined, stay disciplined. And I feel like through the coaching by the New York Giants staff, they can do that. Yeah, I think part of the Jaguars' problem is they have a very, very young team. Like Teams in the NFL are young generally, but the Jags are extremely young, and they're young at a, at a bunch of positions, up to and including their quarterback. And really as much of a mess as the Giants were last year under Joe Judge, you know, I, I think it's still going to take a while for the taste of that um, – surrender formation on the three yard line to get washed out of Giants fans mouths they still weren't as big of a mess as the Jaguars were under Urban Meyer where it seemed like every week this past offseason yeah a new revelation would come out about just how dysfunctional that team was and they do finally have an adult coaching them but it's still going to take a while to get all of those young players really on the same page and in the habit of executing under pressure and also getting the coaching, the coaches staff, you know, really getting them to buy in and wrap their heads around a, a culture of winning. You know, Brian Dayball has done an excellent job of getting his coaches, his players, just everybody in the building all rowing in the same direction. And I, I do think the Jaguars are close to that because they were in position to have a come from behind win against the Indianapolis Colts. And really before the season was half over sweep a division rival, but Matt Ryan was able to execute a come from behind in it again, <laughs> come from behind game winning drive in Oh, maybe a little bit over two minutes of game clock. And you know, that's just the kind of thing that happens when you have a young defense going against a veteran quarterback. Yeah. You, know, you say these two teams are very similar and yeah, you know, I do believe they're a lot more closely matched than the, their respective records would indicate. I agree. I just think the coaching kind of comes down to coaching and just that the giants are a, adopting the coaching much better than I think the Jags are. And it's to your point. I think a lot of it is due to inexperience. Like you can even look at the Jags first drive against the Colts last week. The Jacksonville Springs, a 47 yard run to Travis Etienne, where they use a wham block and a trap block to the play side. So the wham block is an H back, a tight end who comes across to essentially trap the three technique and then that play side guard did the same to the backside one technique so now you have two offensive linemen at the second level and etn against a alley defender and etn took a really good angle and the colts safety did not and jags on their first drive end up right in the red zone but 
on third and I think like eight or third and nine while in field goal range, Trevor Lawrence takes an unexplicable sack. And then the Jags have to punt the football, like little mistakes like that are damning to this team. And it's something that you kind of consistently see that. And you have guys like Trevon Walker who, who are taking dumb penalties, who is an excellent player. And I'm nervous about him on the defensive side, but he's taking dumb penalties in two consecutive games. Shaquille Griffin, their, their cornerback, they paid big money to two off seasons ago. He's getting torched. I hope the Giants can exploit that, but they don't necessarily have the receiving core to do so. Hopefully Wanda Robinson can be that kind of player. And when you watch that Colts game, Chris, the defense did not know how to guard crossing routes. It was it was insane to watch. It was like they didn't know how to pass off. Their man coverage was terrible, and they're a team that likes to run, you know, cover three match, so a lot of man type of principles. And the middle of the field was wide open the entire game for Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce and Deion Jackson, the running back, who I think caught 10 of 10 passes in that game. And you look at what Brian Dable does offensively, and you're like, they run a ton of mesh. They run a ton of horizontal crossing routes in the intermediate parts of the field. That's where the Giants can have success. That and, of course, handing the football off to number 26 in blue, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and I, I think we will see uh, maybe even more passing than we have recently from the Giants because the Jaguars gave up so much in the middle of the field. Yeah, you know, The Jags do have a good run defense. They are right down or I should say right up at the top of the league in terms of rushing yardage given up yeah they've surrendered quite a few rushing touchdowns but I believe they're at they're allowing just 3.6 I believe yards per carry and Trevon Walker like you said he is he is a scary individual as soon as or he will be as soon as he's able to consistently put it all together because he might be the most athletic player in the NFL pound for pound. Yeah. He's big. He's long. He's strong. He's agile. He's explosive. He's fast. He's got, he's got it all. He's just still putting those pieces together. One name I wanted to throw out for giant fans to monitor because you're right. When they're healthy, their run defense has been better than than the average in the NFL. But in week four, in the beginning of week four, Foley Fatukasi, former New York Jet, suffered a quad injury and he missed week five, as did and he missed week six. And week six, the Colts did not have Jonathan Taylor. But he's appearing like he's questionable right now. It's still up in the air if he's going to play against the New York Giants. So I think that's a name we have to circle because he's one of the better run defending defensive linemen in the league. Yes, and I, I'm also keeping an eye on Devon Hamill or Hamilton. Yes, Devon Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> the the Jaguars nose tackle. He he is a big, powerful dude. He's six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, and even though he is a big nose tackle, he is surprisingly agile. He isn't as explosively athletic as Dexter Lawrence. But just going by ESPN's pass rush win rate, he is just behind Dexter Lawrence in terms of pass rush wins. They're both in the top 10. I believe Lawrence is winning 18% of his rushes, and Hamilton is winning 17%. So considering the Giants' pass protection on their defensive, or I'm sorry, offensive interior, that has been, we'll say, kind of an adventure this year. Hamilton is a guy I think the Giants really should watch out for and maybe make some uh, some schematic adjustments to account for. Which I'm sure they will. And I'm wondering how healthy Daniel Jones' ankle 
is we've seen the last two weeks, the Giants, well, specifically last week, but even I guess you could say two weeks ago, the Giants weren't as apt to get him out on the move. It seems like he's he's still moving around, I would say, at a solid rate, but I think they would like to incorporate the move the pocket type of plays, the boot action, the rollouts, which you did see last week, but maybe not as much as you saw, you know, in week four. Mind you, Jacksonville Jags have some young edge rushers that are scary. And I think Andrew Thomas, I'm not really worried about him. And I'm not going to say I'm worried about Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal played his best game last week. But Evan Neal against Trayvon Walker, that could be they're, – they're quite familiar from their time in the SEC together. But that could be a matchup to really monitor, and I'm sure the Giants will keep a wing back, H back, running back in for a six-man protection to, to help slow down that pass rush. Because Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, those two can ruin a game if you if you allow them to. Yeah, I'm sure we will see a bunch of – 12 or even 13 personnel packages with the with the Giants because they like those anyway and having the extra tight ends to if not win blocks then as you like to say lose lose their blocking reps slowly that I think would go a long way to helping the Giants with their pass protection and giving them more flexibility on pass protection because we also haven't talked about uh we haven't talked about Josh Allen yet the the guy who you know shortly after he was drafted we Jokingly, jokingly referred to as the good Josh Allen. Now he's kind of the other Josh Allen, and that is the edge out of, uh, I believe, formerly Kentucky. And yeah, he he is. I I would say right now Jacksonville's best defensive player. Now he isn't racking up the sacks yet, but he does have quite a few quarterback hits. You know, he's gotten three sacks, ten quarterback hits, and yeah, he's quick he is fast and he's definitely more polished than walker is right now and i think that could be a curious matchup if they decide to move those two guys around vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I think... Josh Allen, Jacksonville's Josh Allen would take exception to what you said. Now, obviously, (laughs) Buffalo Bill Josh Allen is a possible league MVP playing out of his mind, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But if you remember last year when Brian Dable had to scheme against Jacksonville Josh Allen, Jacksonville Josh Allen had an interception, a sack fumble, and a and a, and a strip and a fumble recovery. And I, he might have had the interception for a touchdown, if I'm not sure. Like he absolutely dominated the game. So you know 
Brian Dable is aware of who this Josh Allen is. And I'm sure the New York Giants are going to circle this Josh Allen of Jacksonville. Be like, we cannot allow this guy to beat us because he legit was the reason Jacksonville upset Buffalo last year. Yeah, I didn't mean any slight towards that Josh <laughs> Allen. Of course, either Josh Allen. It, it, it really kind of reminds me, you know, back, back around the 2009, back in the day then, when you had uh, Carolina Panthers Steve Smith and New York Giants Steve Smith. And that one year, they were two of the best receivers in the whole NFL. And it was, you know, wh- which one is the real Steve Smith? You know, maybe we should just start referring to them by numbers. Oh, I remember that. That That's Steve Smith, man. The, the... He, he had such a high ceiling, it seemed like, and then he just disappeared once he left the Giants. It was one of those many cases of players who balled out with a good Giants team under Coach Coughlin who went to other teams and you never heard of them again, like the Jabril Wilsons of the world. And the players like Steve Smith is probably the best example of that. Yeah, and just a slight tangent. I, I do blame the knee injury for that. I, I think he yes. came back from that way too quickly. But to spin forward to 2022, There's also another Jaguars defensive player, another first round pick we haven't talked about yet, and that's Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, who is the third round pick. They're both rookies. And honestly, Jacksonville, what they did this offseason, they poured so much money and assets into their linebacker position, which a lot of teams aren't necessarily doing right now. But if you remember, Jacksonville's run defense has been Swiss cheese for the last several years because they didn't just draft Devin Lloyd in the first round and Chad Muma in the third in 2022. They also signed Foye Aluakon out of Atlanta. And I don't think his his tenure so far in Atlanta has, has gone super smoothly. I think one reason why maybe the the defense of Jacksonville was getting chewed up by Indianapolis over the middle of the field was because of those second level defenders from the little bit that I could read that and just seemed like the man coverage specifically from Shaq Griffin was was um, dubious at best. Whereas Tyson Campbell, the second round pick out of Georgia from two years ago, I think he was the first round, the first overall pick in the second round. He's a pretty damn good player. So we'll have to watch and monitor that. But the youth of the intermediate level of the field could be something that can definitely be exploited, as we said a little bit earlier in the podcast. But Devin Lloyd still is a dude, man. Like he's playing really well this year, even though he's a little inexperienced. Yeah, uh, I believe Lloyd has a few passes, defense passes broken up, and he also has a couple interceptions already this year. He is uh, he is just a true three-down linebacker. He is athletic. He can play in space. He's physical coming downhill. He I think he uses his hands pretty darn well taking on blockers in the run game. Yeah, This Jacksonville defense is, I think, kind of scary. They're not you know, terrifying. I absolutely believe the Giants can beat this Jacksonville team, but I think they have a lot more talent than their record would suggest. You know, they are disruptive. When healthy, they're stout against the run. And so far, Jacksonville actually leads the NFL in passes defense, and I believe they're fifth in interceptions. So... Mike Kafka is going to be half going to have to be on his a game as far as scheming up the separation and scheming up ways to get the ball to his receivers with room to run and safely. And Daniel Jones is going to have to have his uh, going to have to have a good game precision wise, because otherwise this Jacksonville defense is pretty darn good at getting their hands on the ball. 
I'm sure that Kafka will scheme up a lot of man beaters whenever they are in cover one or whenever they are using a man coverage type of coverage. That's something that we've seen a lot from Kafka. And if they roll out the cover three match and match type stuff, you can ensure that the Giants are going to call a ton of route concepts that are going to manipulate and try to take advantage of communication issues on the back end, specifically between the linebackers passing off routes, which we've seen with Saquon Barkley in the passing game all throughout the season. If you go to Green Bay, how Devondre Campbell had a mishap last week. They, the defense also had a mishap over the middle of the field, leading to a big gain for the New York Giants. So I think that's something that I'm I'm – I'm optimistic about for the New York Giants is how Mike Kafka can dial up his route concepts to take advantage of the defense, depending on what said defense does. To transition a little bit to the def or to the offense, I should say, Chris, there's one matchup that I'm looking forward to, and it's actually against one of my favorite prospects coming out of this past draft, and that's Luke Fortner, a third round pick out of Kentucky. He's the starting center. I think he's a good player. I think he's very athletic. I think he has a bright future. Didn't think at Kentucky he did a great job handling power. So the Giants have this guy named Dexter Lawrence. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy. I'm going to imagine that Wink Martindale is going to plop Dexter Lawrence nose technique right over Luke Fortner. And I think that could be a real problem for the young center. I think it's going to draw the attention of Brendan Sheriff, one of the better offensive guards who was signed to Jacksonville from Washington last year. And I think that could also open up one-on-one matchups around the rest of of the Giants defensive front with Kayvon Thibodeau and Leonard Williams and whoever else is out there. Yeah, the, the Giants just can't seem to get away from Brandon Sheriff, can they? Of course, they also can't seem to get away from Doug Peterson. Yet, I think this, this is going to be a very, very fun game to watch from Wink Martindale because you've got a young, relatively inexperienced quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's got all of the talent in the world yeah he was he was basically ordained as the number one overall draft pick in whichever draft he chose to come out in from the time he committed to Clemson from high school he's big he's got a great arm he's athletic he's very tough yeah he's got it all he just again like so much of the rest of this team he he's still kind of putting the pieces together And I think, in fact, I fully expect Wink Martindale to really throw the kitchen sink at Trevor Lawrence, force him to read through and diagnose all of those exotic blitz schemes that we have seen so much of, simulated pressures, actual blitzes, uh, DB blitzes, coverage rotations, all of that. And with a rookie center and a an inexperienced quarterback the, the Giants defense could run wild in this game they could they could and i think Juwan Taylor is a is not the best right tackle so i'm looking forward to whoever lines across from him i think Cam Robinson has played better from what i understand and a little bit that i have seen than than a lot of people kind of gave him credit for earlier in his career when he came out of Alabama struggled and has dealt with injuries But in terms of the simulated pressure, and I know some of the plays that I'm about to talk about aren't necessarily simulated pressure. Simulated pressure is essentially when you drop someone off the line of scrimmage, but you still only bring four. So you're not actually blitzing. You bring four. Whereas Wink Martindale has brought five and six and still drop guys off the line of scrimmage, which is fine. It's just a blitz with with a little wrinkle to it. But if you look at two of the biggest plays defensively, 
over the last over this in this season. They were plays where Wink Martindale dropped the end man on the line of scrimmage underneath the routes, and it eliminated the first read for the quarterback. If you go back to Green Bay on the third down that Kayvon Thibodeau tips in the air, what does he do? He drops Jalen Smith, who was aligned as an edge rusher, underneath the number two receiver. Aaron Rodgers has to hold the ball just a little bit longer than he wanted to, which allowed the Giants to knock that pass down. If you go back to last week, Lamar Jackson rolls out on that third and goal at the five-yard line, and the Giants send a blitz up the A-gap and the B-gap while occupying the tackle with O'Shane Zimenez, who was the player who drops off the line of scrimmage, so you're wasting Ronnie Stanley as a blocker at this point, and then O'Shane Zimenez sinks underneath the crossing route of Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson wants to throw to Mark Andrews, who was open if O'Shane is not there, but O'Shane is there, and then O'Shane ends up pressuring Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson overthrows Mark Andrews on that play, or it might have been Isaiah Likely. I think it was Isaiah Likely, but regardless, that is a huge part of what Wink Martindale is doing so far, and those are two really good MVP level quarterbacks. Now you're going up against Trevor Lawrence. I could see the Giants incorporating this and Trevor Lawrence, if the pressure is coming, him actually throwing the football to that guy by accident, thinking he's actually coming on the blitz. And that could be a way the Giants turn get a turnover, an easier turnover. But we'll have to wait and see. But that's something that I just love that Wink Martindale has brought to this defense is that deception and that fake pressure. And sometimes it's not fake because he is not hesitant to actually send the house. No, he isn't at all. I, I do think the Giants will have to be at least a little bit cognizant of of what Trevor Lawrence can do with his legs. Now, he is not Lamar Jackson, the only quarterback I would put even close to Lamar Jackson as far as an just pure athlete is Kyler Murray. But Trevor Lawrence is a good athlete in his own right. He can run with the ball. He does have, I believe, some rushing touchdowns this year. And it, the Giants can't afford to lose contain on him, lose track of him. Because we have seen athletic quarterbacks hurt the Giants' defense at least a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson picked up a few first downs we saw Justin Fields do some things with his legs uh even you know week one with with Ryan Tannehill he was able to create outside of the structure of the offense with his legs so uh, the Giants have to respect Lawrence at least a little bit and I feel like they also do need to respect some of the other players on this offensive roster because you know the Jaguars have Zay Jones he's a solid receiver they went out and got Christian Kirk. They got Evan Ingram, who he's going to know a lot of these guys on the Giants defense pretty well. And even though Giants fans weren't exactly upset to see him go, he is still a very athletic tight end. And then you've got James Robinson, Travis Etienne at the running back position, who, again, good running backs, and they're able to pick up yardage in the open field. And we do know Doug Peterson knows how to put running backs in position to pick up yardage in the open field. Yes, he does. And the backup tight end, Chris Manhurts, he's more of a blocker and he's pretty damn good at it too. Evan Ingram, we know he's not that type of guy, but Jacksonville's going to roll out 11 personnel. They're going to use a little bit of 12, but when the Jags are in 11 personnel, I think the Giants are going to come out there in, in dime, in dollar sometimes even in a quarter type of formation where there's no linebacker, because this is something that 
Wink Martindale did against the Ravens, who have a 300-pound fullback on the field for like 56% of the snaps. So you know the Giants are going to try to match speed with speed here, and I think that plays into the Giants' hands because I think the less linebackers, true linebackers that are on the field, the happier the New York Giants are at this point. I think they want to get Dane Belton out there with Julian Love and Xavier McKinney. And I think when you have a tight end like Evan Ingram, you can do that. Because one thing I am scared about with Evan Ingram is him in man coverage against Tay Crowder. I still think Tay Crowder is an issue whenever the Giants are in a man coverage type of defense. And I think that's something that could be exploited. That and obviously Travis Etienne coming out of the backfield. Yeah, I did notice Tay Crowder, which he had a great game against the against the Green Bay Packers but I also thought he was out of position a few times against the Baltimore Ravens and bad things tended to happen when he was out of position and the ball came really anywhere near him and like you said getting Evan Ingram matched up in man coverage against the Giants linebackers or Etienne maybe on a on a screen pass wheel route angle route that sort of thing yeah that that is a matchup that I think flows in Jacksonville's favor. So yeah, I, I would absolutely expect to see a lot of nickel and a lot of dime out there. Maybe, a, maybe even some of those quarter packages and, you know, maybe the giants could grab Chad Muma off the, off the Jacksonville sidelines and just kind of throw a giant's helmet on him or something like that. I'd accept that <laughs> the rushing attack before we get out of here is the one thing though, Chris, that I am a little worried about. I think the giants can have a good run defense breaking down those long runs by Kenyon Drake. It seemed like they were the perfect play calls against what the New York giants were doing on every single one of those plays, or at least I think 90% of them, the giant defender to the play side slanted inside, allowing for an easy, just pin of that defender. And now it's the edge rusher and the linebacker scraping over the top, essentially against three blockers coming. And the giants don't really have the linebackers to overcome that type of situation. It's a tough situation to be in. So I think that was one reason why we saw Kenyon Drake have such a good game. But at the same time, this is the second week out of six where the giants struggled to defend lateral runs, runs that are not in the a gap, which honestly, dude, I don't know who has had success running in the a gap against the New York giants because of Dexter Lawrence, you don't, you rarely see teams try to do it. You could try to do it with like Lamar Jackson on a, on a, on a play that has a lot of eye candy and things like that. But teams aren't running interior against the New York giants because of mainly Dexter Lawrence right now. But on the sides, man, I think those edge rushers, they, they still got to be really disciplined. Jihad Ward is one of the key players for the New York Giants all season. He's probably the most unsung player on the Giants, but those linebackers need to be in position. I felt like Dane Belton had a play last week that say it was like a seven yard run by Kenyon Drake, but it could have been like a, you know, a 25 yard run if Dane Belton didn't put himself who was, he was the, he was the star. He was inside the box on the on the uh, non-play side, and he scraped over the top, and Kenyon Drake actually lowered his shoulder and ran him over, but he made the tackle, and that's all that matters at that point. So the run defense is something I'm, I'm eager to see because Travis Etienne, he, he's talented. He doesn't really have the vision, but James Robinson does, and James Robinson might not be as explosive as Etienne, but he's a damn good football player who is – wildly resilient should be a new york giant man this guy came back from an achilles injury like he he is the bastion of toughness and just dependability other than that injury obviously but just coming back from that just says a lot about his ability to overcome things which is kind of the story of the 2022 giants it, it really is and you know the, this i think is going to wind up being a just a very good game and like 
a lot of the Giants games, I think it's going to come down to be to which team is more resilient and which team is more disciplined. I think if the Giants maintain their composure, if they don't take the Jaguars lightly because they're only a two-win team, I think the Giants should be able to come out on top. However, I also think the Jaguars have enough talent where they could give the Giants some real problems on offense and defense. And yeah, I don't I don't think the the phrase trap game applies, but I also don't think we should go counting our chickens before they're hatched here. 100%. I'm so glad that you said that. Chris, do you want to do any sort of prediction? What did you pick on the tally site? Yeah, I actually did this time go with the Jaguars just because I think they are more dangerous than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I agree with the sentiment that they are more dangerous than people are giving them credit for. I think they could easily have more than two wins. I think they're much like the Giants, as we pointed out throughout the podcast, that they're a, they're a first, second, third, and fourth quarter team. They're not going to get blown out or anything like that. I'm still going with the New York Giants here. I think the coaching will will help the Giants, but I'll say this. I'm a little nervous the fact that this is really only the second true road game that the Giants have had this season. So errors could could kind of crop their ugly head a little bit and communication errors, false starts, things like that. Remember, the Green Bay game, they had to travel to London too. It's not really, I mean, it's a road game. Obviously, you're leaving the country, but it's not necessarily like you're playing at Lambeau Field. Whereas the last actual road game they had, the New York Giants, was week one when you had months to prepare for it. So I think that could be the one thing that's definitely working against the Giants. I think also the fact that the Giants have to travel up to the Pacific Northwest next week which is one of the worst scheduling situations that you have to find yourself in to go from Florida all the way back to Jersey, all the way up to the Pacific Northwest. Like that sucks. I think that's another reason why Vegas and ESPN are not giving the Giants a chance here, but I still think the Giants can win this football game. No knock on Doug Peterson, but I think this Giants team is responding to the coaching a lot better than the Jacksonville Jags are. And I think that will be the difference maker. It, it very well could be. I just wanted to hedge my bets just in case this was the this was the week that the Jaguars really do put it all together. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not knocking that at all, Chris, because I think you could be right. I think that that's the reality of the Giants right now. The Giants are a tough team. They, they don't go away. I wouldn't want to play them if you're a good football team, but they could still lose games to Jacksonville. Like they're not above that by by any means. I mean, they they could easily be four and two because Randy Bullock missed a field goal, and every single one of those other games that they played were close. That's just the reality of the situation. But they're finding ways to win, whereas Jacksonville is not. And I just hope that trend continues. But Chris, do you have anything else? You know, I think I think we have about covered this from every possible angle we could. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Big Blue View Radio podcast, Chris and Nick Show. I am Nick Filato. That is Chris Flum. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com. Subscribe to this podcast, Big Blue View Radio, and also like, comment, do whatever you guys want to do. Let's hope the Giants get the sixth win of their season. Take care of each other and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. 
It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.